0: Similarities. Israel was God's people, but Israel drifted from God. And God sends a preacher to tell them, here's your indictment, here's what's wrong with you, and six woes. He explains to them their guilt. And I see a great similarity there between Israel and the United States today, because the United States basically was founded as a Christian nation by Christian men. I mean, our coinage today says, In God we trust. I mean, the first textbook was, was the Bible. And, you know, we just have a very serious Christian heritage. And I think without a doubt, that's the reason we have been so blessed of God. But in recent years, though, we're troubled. As Israel drifted away from God, I see America following that same scenario. And it's drifting away from God. So, what does that mean? Can we say, well, that's not our problem? No, I want us to look at Isaiah chapter 5 and verse number 24. After the woes, the Bible says this. After those woes comes these words. Therefore, okay, because of these woes, which we can identify with, sadly. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble, and the flame consumeth the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness, and their blossom shall go up as dust, because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts, and despise the word of the Holy One of Israel. How many of you have... Memories of when the Ten Commandments was placed on a cart. I think it was down in Alabama. And it was hauled out of the, the courthouse. Any of you remember that, those images? Because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts. The reason you should care is, it says in that same verse, look at it. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble, and the flame consumeth the chaff... As Israel was headed for trouble, folks, unless there's some intervention, we're headed for trouble. Again, let's look at what our commentator says about this. He says, when all heart and morality are gone from a nation, its roots below, its roots below ground are rotten, and its flourishing appearance is ready to turn to dust. Now listen to this. There is no substance in such a people. Nothing which can stand calamity of any kind. It will be swept it will sweep them away as the fire licks up the stubble which men burn when the crop of corn or hay has been gathered in. That needs to not frighten us, but that needs to concern us. I mentioned this morning, judgment can come in in different ways. If we started off as God's people and God blessed us, if we turn away from God. God is not going to sit idly by or wring his hands. No, he's going to judge us. And as I said this morning, he can do it in a number of different ways. We can look in the Bible and we see he's used natural disasters to judge people. He's used war to judge people. He's used civil disobedience to judge people. It can be plagues that judge people. It can be an economic depression that he can use. It could be runaway inflation that he could use. It could be oppressive leaders. And if things keep going the way they're going, I'm telling you, we're going to see that more and more. I'm not Isaiah. I'm not living 700 years ago. I'm Pastor McMorris. I'm living today. And I'm just as much God's man as Isaiah was God's man back then. I don't put myself on an equal par with him. But I've got the same job and the same responsibilities. I'm telling you, we're going to pay a big price. If things don't change... All that is necessary for evil to, what's the word? Triumph. All that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. I'm not calling us to be depressed. I don't think we should be. I don't think we should be fearful. I don't think that we should be angry. There are across this nation today, thousands of preachers and thousands of pulpits who have not compromised God have not compromised God's word and are preaching the same sermon that I'm preaching this morning or the same type of sermon that I'm preaching today because I go online and I listen I listen to preaching all the time and I will probably this afternoon a lot of what I do on Sunday afternoons is listening to this morning's preaching from different preachers and you can do that online and I'll do that this evening the good news is we're not the only ones the good news is there are still other pastors, other churches, other Christians who are standing for the truth. Now, as Isaiah in chapter 5 gives them their indictment, here's what you are guilty of, and later in chapter, in chapter 5, he says, this is going to be the results. Before he does any of that, we go back to chapter 1, and in chapter 1, he gives them the answer. He starts off with the answer. We're going to go back to chapter 1, and we're going to see this. Here's the formula for a nation being reclaimed. As it was Israel's formula, it's our formula today. Number one, to be reclaimed, to see revival, very simple. The nation must stop doing evil. In that same book of the Bible, Isaiah says in chapter 1, verse number 16, Wash you. Make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. That's what God expected of Israel. That's what God expects of us today. That's his word. That was his word to his people then. That's his word to his people today. Wash you. Make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. And that starts with each and every one of us. You know, we all have our weaknesses. We all have our temptations. And if you're not careful, even though you try to do good, you'll find yourself starting to read stuff you shouldn't read. Listening to stuff you shouldn't listen to. Watching stuff you shouldn't be watching. Talking about things you shouldn't be talking about. Dressing in ways you shouldn't be dressing. Going places you shouldn't be going. And every one of, you know, this this nationwide revival or repentance that we have to see starts with each of us individually it's each one of us taking stock of our own lives assessing our own hearts and see if we have drifted from the lord and then doing like the bible says wash you make you clean Put away the evil of your doings from mine eyes. Cease to do evil. It's the easiest thing in the world to start watching, reading, doing, going, and, and slip into something. And you know what? It'll, it'll take you away from God. It'll take you away from God's blessings. And then you'll start defending it. And then you'll start being angry with those who preach against it. And, and the, the key here is, you know, stop doing Evil. Now, that's going to require some just behavioral changes. Quit going to those places. Quit reading those things. Quit listening to that. Quit going there. Quit associating with them. Quit dressing like that. And if each one of us will assume that responsibility and clean up our lives, we are one life at a time closer the national repentance and national revival. What do you and I, because look, I struggle too. I, I'm a sinner just, just like you. You know, I'm made out of the same stuff you're made out of. I face temptations all the time, and our temptations may differ from one for another, but Satan knows our weaknesses. He knows what's to. he can dangle in front of me to, to get me to slip up, or dangle in front of you to get you to slip up. Let's just reassess our lives. And whatever's in our life that shouldn't be there, let's not defend it. Let's not excuse it. Let's not find another church that will condone it. Let's just make it right. So number one, for us to see revival, we've got to stop doing evil. Number two, in the next verse it says, start doing good. (laughs) This isn't rocket science. Verse number 17, learn to do well. Seek judgment relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Start doing those things that help people. Start doing, get involved with with service, get involved with church, get involved with teaching Sunday school, get involved with witnessing, get involved with lifting people up. Don't be selfish, don't be greedy as we talked about this morning, but give yourself to others. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. In other words, try to do the right thing. Don't do the convenient thing. Don't do the popular thing. But seek judgment. Judgment means, you know, think it through. Use good judgment. Relieve the oppressed. You know, don't just live for yourself. Get involved in your community. Get involved in your society. Judge the fatherless. Help the fatherless. Help the widows. Plead for the widows. I was talking about helping people, getting involved with others, and you yourself living a life of righteousness and purity and morality, setting a good example for others, being a a good godly mom, being a good godly dad, being a good godly teenager or child, start doing good. Number three, so simple here. The nation must stop doing evil, the nation must start doing good, Number three, the nation must listen to what God has to say. Listen to what God has to say. And if we do that as a congregation, that's going to bring us together. Look at verse number 18. This is Isaiah. This is the same one that says, Woe unto you. He is first of all telling them, Here's how you correct the problem. Come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The Lord Lord said, listen, let's talk this thing through. And I, I see in this verse that we must listen to what God has to say. Don't listen to your emotions or your feelings. You can't trust your emotions and feelings. Don't listen to what's the, the, the worldly kids, the worldly neighbors, the worldly co-workers are doing. Don't concern yourself about what's popular with the world. Concern yourself with what's popular with God. Listen to what God has to say. Open your heart. Be humble before the Lord. Be willing to make changes. Be willing to acknowledge that you don't have the right spirit. You don't have the right attitude. You don't have the right the right actions. The Lord said, let us reason together. I I, I interpret that as the Lord saying, listen to me. Listen to what I have to say to you. And, he, and he's saying, look, this can all be better. Your, your, your sins, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. They'll be white as snow. And that's where the blessings of God come in. So the nation must stop doing evil, according to Isaiah. The nation must start doing good. Number three, the nation must listen to what God has to say. And number four, the nation must do what God says to do. In verse number 19, if ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat. The good of the land. If you be willing and obedient. It's not once you get saved, it's not your life anymore. That that's a hard concept for us Americans. It's not your your life to decide what you're gonna be, who you're gonna be, what you it's all about God. Is this your will? It's putting God first. And he says, if ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. Because for so many years, with our Christian start as a nation, God blessed. I mean, hasn't the United States of America through the years been known as the breadbasket of the world? Feeding the world? And that's slowly changing. That's what I want us to go back to. And how are you going to get back there if you be willing and obedient? Doing what God says to do. When God says to tithe, you tithe. When when God says to dress modestly, you dress modestly. When God says a companion of fools will be destroyed, you're not going to go there. The nation must do what God says to do. So again, the good news is we can do this. We can stop doing evil, we can start doing good, we can listen to what God has to say, and we can do what God says to do. There's not a person in this room that, that can't do that. Oh, we may stumble along the way, we're human, we're frail, we make mistakes, but our, our, trend, our trend can be Godward, not downward. Again, the purpose of the message today. A nation that drifts from God is at risk to experience the judgment of God. A nation would do well to take heed when it is at risk and come back to God before it experiences the wrath of God. So, let's just finish this today with this. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I don't want to leave it in terms that are just left to the imagination and everybody goes out of here and does nothing. and, And nothing changes. I think that's part of my responsibility as a pastor. If I'm warning you that our nation is going in the wrong direction... But if I tell you, if we go in the right direction, God's going to bless us, then I think it's incumbent upon a pastor to make sure that we're on the same page, and we know how to do that in very practical terms. So let me give you seven things. That if we do this, as a congregation, if we do these seven things, we will impact this part of northern Michigan. We will impact it. And if the churches over in Grayling are doing this, and in West Branch are doing this, and Detroit, now Detroit don't count, but uh, yeah, Detroit, uh, all of it, their church is all around. If they will do this, we will see revival. It's not enough just to come and sit here and say, Amen, Amen, that's good, that's good, that's good, and you go out and nothing changes. If nothing changes, we continue to go down. So we. We've got to do that. Here's here's the practical application of today's message that will help you to be a part of the team that can make a difference. Number one, simply pray. Pray. Pray for revival in our land. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, Pray that we will indeed resist and overcome temptation. We need to be a praying people. If there's one thing I know that is emphasized from Genesis to Revelation and it is throughout, it is prayer. Sometimes it can be a little hard to understand prayer and understand exactly how it works. And if you've studied it as much as I have, you know sometimes it can raise questions. Having said that though, one thing I know with certainty is God wants us to pray. And that is infinite. You start in Genesis and you go all the way through Revelation. Prayer keeps coming up over and over again. Sometimes it might not be labeled prayer. It might just be someone talking to God or God talking to someone. But that's prayer nonetheless. And so we, it begins with prayer. And you and I daily need to pray that we'll be good. And that we'll turn away from evil. And we'll pray for our nation. Secondly... Be faithful in attendance. And I'm talking about the church services, of course. To Sunday school. To, to Sunday morning. Sunday afternoon. Uh, Wednesday, Wednesday evening. Oh, being faithful. I, I can't, it, it was, this is God's idea that we assemble together. And when your church decides that they're going to meet on Sunday morning and you're going to have Sunday school at 10 and church at 11 and uh, afternoon church at 1.30 and Wednesday night church at uh, 7 o'clock, if that's what your brothers and uh, sisters in Christ believe, you ought to be supportive. Amen? You ought to be supportive. I mean, that's a good thing. That, that's a good thing that we're meeting. We're trying, every time I come in this pulpit, I have you in mind, and I go to bat for you as, as individuals, as families, and as a church family, and as citizens of our country. It's so important. Do you understand this? That when you're not here just because you don't feel like it, or there's a problem, you know that's discouraging? Do you know that discourages your Pastor? I have feelings, too. That is news today. Bulletin, 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 bulletin. I have feelings, too. And when you're not here, that's discouraging. Whether you intend for it to be or not. Where's Brother Jamie? Am I right? Just say amen. <laughs> it discourages Brother Jamie when you're not there for something that... He's there. I mean, people always... Show me in the Bible where you have to meet at Wednesday night. Show me in the Bible where. I've said it before. I can show you in the Bible where they met every night. So maybe we should meet. No, we're not going to go there, but that's part of the. Let's let's put it in positive terms. That's a better way to put it. When you're here, you're such an encouragement. And I think sometimes people don't think about that. I don't think that you think that you're noticed or that you're important. Trust me. I know when you're here, and I know when you're not here. And I know sometimes people take vacations, people get sick. You have, you have a reasonable pastor. That's great. I, I like to take vacations too. But it, it makes a difference. You're, 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 you're sending a message to your neighbors. You're sending a message to your family. You're, you're, you know, you're, your attendance in and of itself may to you seem insignificant. But no, it's a big deal. You know, for the encouragement or the discouragement you are to others. The example you're setting these kids. Where's brother so-and-so? Where's mrs. so-and-so? Why aren't aren't they here? And again, you say, well, you can't show me in the Bible where they have a Wednesday night service. No, I, I can't. But I can show you in the Bible where, you know, you're not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And your church for many years, from the inception, has met on Wednesday nights. You know? And recently, not too long ago anyway, voted to meet on Sunday afternoons and, you know, Sunday mornings. And when, when did that become a bad thing anyway? Why, why, would anybody, why, why would you make the argument, well, show me in the Bible where you meet on Wednesday night? What? Why, why, why would you make that? What's behind that argument? I, I, don't, I don't get it. I mean, really, no, I'm not making fun of anybody. And, and, and Well, I'll get to that in a second. Be faithful in attendance. Number three, give. Oh, by the way, let me say this. I think this church as a whole is great in their attendance. When I talk to other pastors and see how many people are in their Sunday night or, or our Sunday afternoon service, we're exceptional here. You're, you're exceptional. I talk to other pastors, and they can't believe our Wednesday night attendance. So, again, when I say that and when I get passionate about that, don't think that I'm unappreciative of you because the vast majority of you are here. And the only time you miss is when you're sick or you're on vacation or Jeopardy's going to be really good that night, you know, other than that. But really, I I mean, I, I preach at you, but at the same time, don't think that I'm not grateful because overall, I think that our church is fantastic in faithfulness by the vast majority of its people. And number three, about giving, I think our church, you know, I don't know. I really don't have anything to compare it to. But based on what I sense, I, I, I think we're a very, very giving church. But, but that's important. Okay, both those are important. Number four, serve. 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 Uh, find you a place where you can utilize your gifts and your talents. And everybody knows, if you know the Bible, you, God's given you a talent. And find that place. I don't want to put a, a, a square peg in a round hole. I don't want you to serve somewhere where you're uncomfortable. But I can assure you there's a, a place for you where you can excel. So find a place to serve. Again, we can't have everybody riding in the wagon. The wagon ain't going to go anywhere. Got to have some people out pulling the wagon. Got to have some people pushing the wagon. And again, I think we have an exceptional number of people that do that. I think we have a way higher percentage of people that serve in our church than is the case in most churches. I can't say that. I don't have any statistics or, you know, hard evidence there. That's just my observation. And I I, I appreciate those of you that serve. Number five, encourage others. Encourage others one another, lift one another up, pray for one another, you know, uh, don't, don't complain, it's so hard teaching this, or it's so hard doing that, you know, and just putting a wet blanket on top of everything, you know, uh, be excited that you teach Sunday school, be excited that you work in the nursery, be excited that you sing in the choir, and tell everybody what a blessing it is, and what an encouragement, there's a lot at stake here, folks, they're, they're, the direction of our country, and to the degree that God is pleased with us as a congregation, to, the, to that degree, he can bless us. You know, God judges individuals. God judges families. We saw that with Eli and Hophni and Phinehas, his two sons. He judged them as a family. And we know that God judges nations. But if you go to Revelation, does, what, what does he judge in the first part of Revelation? Churches. I mean, we're going to be judged as a nation, but we're also going to be judged as a church. In a church where there's prayer, where there's faithfulness and attendance, where there's giving, where there's serving, and where there's encouraging one another. And number six, handle problems in a mature way. You think about it. Outside of your work and outside of school, there's probably no place, and in your, in your home, of course, there's probably no place where you gather more because of your faithfulness than a church. We spend a lot of time together. Spend a lot of time together today. We'll spend a lot of time together next Wednesday uh, evening. And between now and then, I'll spend a lot of time, you know, teenagers coming to help, staff and people coming in, volunteering and helping out. We we spend a lot of time together. You know, I, I've never had a, a run-in with a a, a a salesman at, what's that Ford dealership in Grayling? What's the name of it? Feeney. Feeney. I've never, you know, I don't know them. <laughs> I'm never there. I'm not gonna have any, but people I'm around all the time, the chances are you, you might offend. And sometimes intentionally somebody can be rude, sometimes unintentionally. You know, if 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 Satan's gonna destroy a church, and this is a fact, he is way more likely to destroy it from within than from without. That's a fact. He's destroyed lots of churches, not by some invading group coming in and taking over. No, it's by disintegration from within. And we spend a lot of time together. And we spend a lot of time on every topic under the sun. And there's room for lots of disagreements. I mean, there, there isn't a topic that we're not concerned with, whether it's child-rearing or marriage or theology issues, Calvinism, Arminianism you know, pre-trib, post-trib, or whatever. I mean, there's a bazillion things that we could argue over. And all I'm suggesting is, let's be mature. We're going to spend a lot of time together. And we're going to cover a lot of ground together. So, understand that there's going to be disagreements sometimes. Look, you, you can, because you disagree with me doesn't mean you know, that I'm upset with you. I fully understand that not everybody in this room is going to be on the same page I am with as many topics as we cover. But I think we as brothers and sisters in Christ can still get along. We we can still, we can still, I don't believe there's ever a problem in a church that two mature Christians can't sit down, talk it over, and when it's done, hug each other and appreciate each other. I don't believe there's a problem that could arise in this church where two people that might be initially upset with each other, if they would get together in a Christ-like way and discuss it, and they might not even still end up agreeing, but sometimes don't we just have to agree to disagree? Because we're all growing, we're all evolving too. I I don't mean as monkeys, but we're evolving as Christians, we're growing as Christians, and... There were things I used to question, and as I grew, you know, as a young Christian, I began to see things differently, and, and I changed. And that's where patience has to come in. So, trust me. If Satan is going to take down almost any church or Myo-Baptist church, he's going to do it from within. Murmurings, sowing discord and whatever. It, look. You're not, look, when, when you don't agree with me, I am not mad at you. And you don't have to leave because you disagree. You know, if we agree on 99% of the stuff that's out there, we don't need to part ways over 1%. I don't think so. No. So, again, handle problems in a mature way. And lastly, number seven, we're done. Witness. Just be a witness. Share the gospel. I had originally intended this month to do this, but with uh, 4th of July Vacation Bible School, uh, believe me, a, a lot goes on around here. I, I appreciate uh, we were having a staff meeting uh, last week. I forget what day it was. I guess it was Monday. We normally have them on Wednesday, but I moved it to Monday, and I asked everybody to show up, and we show up here on Monday, and, when we, we, and, and it was just about the 4th of July, and I appreciate Sandy Handridge, and she does a fantastic job. Uh, with the Fourth of July, and at one point in our meeting, she said, "Folks would have no idea what all goes into this—the planning, the preparation, everything that has to be has to be uh, thought out." But un- un- under- where was I going with that, Sharon? Help me. Oh, yes, thanks. Good wife, right there. <laughs> yeah, so we got the Fourth of July, and like so much goes into that. Okay. And I really wanted to focus because we're going to, next month, I I, I was going to do it this month, but we're going to move it to next month. We're going to have a track distribution um, emphasis month. Okay? That's witnessing. And what we need is for you to get involved. And we're going to add, we're going to get, we got brand new church tracks. Maybe some of you have seen them. We've kind of been holding them in reserve. But we'll pull them out next month. And we're just going to ask each of you, I, I don't know, we haven't fully developed it, probably each of you to personally hand next month out five tracks. I mean, not just leaving them somewhere, but I mean, handing it to someone and say, I'd like for you to read this. And I'd like for you to get back to me and let me know what you think of this. And just another way to witness. And again, the way this country is going to come back to God is through one person at a time. One person at a time. But the good news is, when you have millions of Christians out there, and there are millions of us, I mean, there are millions of fundamental believers, Bible believers. When you have those millions motivated, when you have them praying, when you have them faithful in attendance, they're giving, they're serving, they're encouraging others, they're working through their problems. And, a church, you know, a church family is not a whole lot different than your family. Your family, you're, you're working through issues all the time. You know, a church family, we're going to have to work through issues all the time. And, and when you're witnessing If enough people, enough Christians, enough churches do that, we will see revival in our land. And as Isaiah said, we will eat the good of the land. So don't be discouraged. Don't be depressed. And don't be afraid. Let us roll up our sleeves and get to work for the Lord. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you, and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com Thanks for listening.